Today, I'm, 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 the sermon I'm preaching is dedicated to the children. And it's simply titled, Lessons We Can Learn from Children. You know, there's things that children do now that some of us as adults have forgotten. Because truly for some of us, it's been many, many, many years ago since we were six years old. Children are more confident. They are courageous. They enjoy life far more intensely than adults. In the many parts of the world where I've had the privilege to travel, particularly places in the world where there's lots of problems and trouble, and some of them are in abject poverty. And in some places, you can just tell the feel in the atmosphere. People are sad and very depressed. One thing that has never ceased to be an amazing thing is the children in those places. Even in places where you can see from the clothes people are wearing that they don't have enough clothes. They don't have much clothes. And lots of informal settlements. It's interesting that even in those places you'll see children running, children laughing, having fun. It looks like children enjoy life more than adults. And then as we grow up as adults, sometimes we try to return to our childhood. <laughs> because when you look at children, there's just so much that I think we can copy from them. In fact, the Bible is filled with stories or examples analogies wherein Jesus is actually telling us we can learn from children. In fact, there's a scripture that was read earlier, the cast that was here, they quoted one of those verses. And I want to read myself a similar verse in Mark chapter 10 from verse 13 to verse 16 in the New American Standard Bible. It says, and they were bringing children to him, that is to Jesus, so that he might touch them or lay hands on them like you saw us laying hands on children a while ago. But the disciples rebuked them. So you can see the disciples of Christ had a certain attitude towards children. In other words, it's okay for Jesus to lay hands on us, but not on the children. Because sometimes, you know, when it comes to children, adults don't consider their importance. So the disciples felt... Let Jesus interact with everybody. Why bring children? You're just wasting his time. But when Jesus saw them do that, he rebuked them. It says not only did he rebuke them, he was indignant with them. He was angry with them and said to them, permit the children to come to me. See, what we've done here, letting the children sing for God, preach, do all that. The reason we have special services dedicated to the children, where we are preaching to them at their level and doing children's service. And by the way, if you don't know, we're going to be expanding more. We're going to be getting more room next year just for the children. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> you know, I'm so glad you are in the house for me to say that. Actually, I'm just announcing that today. We have a good mind next year, if we can, God helping us. It's all right. They can preach with Ms. Kawara. It's okay. I won't get disturbed. We want to put a balcony in here so that the, 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 the youth hall can be just totally given to our children and our teenagers. What do you say, Basala? Because they're growing. Our, our, our children's church now, we are over 2,000 children. Eh? Yeah, we have more, more than two. And did you know they are more stable than you? Yeah. They are, they are, I'm telling you, the attendance of children doesn't drop as much as the attendance of the... To you, when it rains, you don't come. The children come. When it's cold, you see that he's happy. Look at him. Many of you are morose. Just look at him. He's very happy. I love that. You know. So we love children in this church. Yeah. And we're going to make room. I want children to think good about God. That's why we want to do, uh, you know, uh, uh, rooms and 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 lessons and have places where they can play. I want them when they think about church, they should think about church in a good way. So that they can think about God in a good way. Yeah. 
That's why even our music, you got to sing music that children like that they can dance to. So that church becomes fun. I don't mind if they come, whether they understand or they don't understand. It's better for them to be dancing for that than to be dancing for some ugly song. Yeah. So Jesus, when he saw that, he says, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. Know what he says? He says, and I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible, he says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Which means, the kingdom of God belongs to children. That's the one meaning. In fact, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't like children, you're not going to like heaven at all. Because it's going to be full of children. They will be... They will be climbing up and down the tree of life, skating down the golden streets of heaven. They will be swimming in the river of life. They'll be all over you. So you might as well practice now. I know some of you don't like children. You must practice now. Tell your neighbor, Willie, when I can see you when I just practice. <laughs> practice now. You might as well practice now. So Jesus says, Heaven is full of children. This is what they'll be doing in heaven. That's why I don't mind. They can do this in the church. I don't mind. Doesn't disturb. It's you the adult. If you do this, I'll tell you to sit down, but not the children. Yeah, yeah. Since heaven is full of children. But, but not only is Jesus saying that heaven is full of children, he's saying if you want to go to heaven and access God's kingdom, you must take the attitude of children. Yeah. You must be childlike. You must take that attitude of children. And I'm going to explain that. He says, heaven belongs to such as these. Then he says, truly I say unto you, Whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter into it at all. So the door into God's kingdom is for you to be like a child. In other words, if you want to access the move of God and the work of God and the power of God and the principles of God's kingdom, you've got to have that attitude like a child. If you don't have it, you're not entering in. And then it says, and he took the children in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them like we have done this morning. Can I hear an amen? amen. Ephesians 5.1 says in the Amplified Bible, therefore be imitators of God. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, be imitators of God, copy him, and follow his example as well beloved children imitate their father. So, you know, the Bible uses children as examples. It's children, they are imitators. They, you know, it says the way you must imitate God is the same way children imitate parents. So there's all these things that the Bible says about children. But I wonder how many of you have ever heard a sermon that's totally dedicated to talking about children. And really, when you look into the church world in general, there's not much attention given to children when it comes to a church service. We just somehow hoi them in a room and hope them that things will work out for them. Even the people who teach them, we don't train them. We don't take people who are specialists. We don't ever think about how to reach them in a creative way with the gospel. You know, we just think whatever is there, just give it their children after all. But we believe children matter. Okay, so what lessons can we learn from children? Lesson number one. When it comes to children, every day is a fresh start. Every day. Every day. Ellen Montgomery says this, and I quote, Isn't it nice to think that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it as yet? End of quote. For me as a child, it was always great this time of the year. I looked forward to this time of the year. Because, you know, we're going to be closing at school. I don't know about you, but I loved holidays. Because during holidays, I could, play un, I could play unendingly. And I knew every day I woke up, there was a new possibility of a new game. So every day is a new day for children. See, when you are young, every day feels like an eternity. How many of you? Salo Amela Christmas. You know what I mean? When is Christmas coming? It's too long because I, I can't wait to start afresh. I can't wait to start a new day. Because a new day to a child means new opportunities, new friends, new things to explore. The last thing you want to do is to tell a child that you'll be going to some place too early. Yeah. You tell them on Monday that on Sunday we're going to visit grandma. They don't understand what Sunday means. 
So they wake up in the middle of the night. Mama, 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 is it Sunday? <laughs> Say, no, no, it's not Sunday, it's Tuesday. They say, oh, why can't it be Sunday? So no, but Sunday is Sunday. Many, how many Sundays? How many sleeps? You say, so many sleeps. You say, but why can't it Sunday be today? Why must it be Wednesday? Why can't it be today? No, 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 no. Because they just can't wait for new opportunities. Children have this enthusiasm about new opportunities. Somehow, children don't carry the package of one day to the next day. They start fresh. They are so good with it that even when they have been hurt or wounded today, they shake it off. Have you ever given a child a hiding or disciplined them? Have you realized? They will cry. Huh? They walk away and then a few minutes later they are back to you, the same person who laid hands on them. Not this way, that way. <laughs> they are back to you, you know. Children are just amazing, you know. You, you discipline them, they cry and in, in their crying they still come to you for a hug. Somehow they have this incredible ability to start afresh. But oh my goodness, we as adults, you know, ever since somebody said something that you didn't like 30 years ago, you are still angry even today. You've, you've forgotten what it is like to be a child, you know. I mean, I mean, there's somebody you may be sitting next to, they said something that wasn't nice two months ago. Even Namanj, you are still not happy. Look at your neighbor and say, it looks like he's talking about somebody you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we grow up, we have a tendency to take the baggage of yesterday and com complicate today with that baggage. And so Jesus talks to that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He says, therefore, don't take any thought about tomorrow or don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Then he says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What Jesus is simply saying is that today's problems are enough for today. Don't take today's problem and complicate tomorrow with it. Yeah. Some of us were already worried about how things are going to turn out next day. Why must you worry? You're still in this year. I mean, you're already, you're already getting affected with 2017 and you haven't even started living 2017. You are messing up whatever little is left of 2016 about 20... Oh, am, I, am I talking to people in the house? You're worried about the, your, your results that are coming. You've written exams. You're already worried. You didn't perform. You're already worried. So many people... Just don't know, but you know, children don't care about, children don't care. They are so carefree. They don't care about tomorrow. They don't care. They don't worry. They just live one day at a time. In fact, they just live one moment at a time. <laughs> Never mind. They are just so carefree. The new century version, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will have its own worries. Then he says, each day has enough trouble of its own yeah each day has enough trouble of its own the message bible i love it it says give your entire attention to what god is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow yeah but you know as an adult it's it's, it's really strange eh? you just take tomorrow's issues mess up today totally your boss told you, can I see you next week? This whole week, I'll tell you, save. The whole week. The whole week, everything is not nice. You can't even breathe. You can't even sleep. In fact, you're trying to think. In fact, you're trying to discern. Utoring. So you look at him when he's walking. When they greet you, you want to check what is their attitude like. Anybody knows what? Come on now, don't look so innocent. You know what I'm talking about. But my children don't care. Then it says, God will help you to deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And so we learn from children not to carry the baggage of one day to the next, but to start fresh and start anew. Number two, children are very creative. And in this creative attitude, they make it to be fun and they make it to be good. Children are happy. Franklin Roosevelt says, happiness lies in the joy of achievement and the thrill of creative effort. Have you ever seen children losing themselves in their game? Have you ever seen a child play? They even forget. 
This, I mean, they, there's no sense of time. There's no sense of anything. They're just lost in the game. And very creative with the game. You know, children can play with sand. <laughs> they can play with clay. Huh? And give it meticulous attention. I remember as a child, many of you probably are there. All you needed to give me is a brick. That brick, I tell you. I tell you. That brick. That brick can be a car, can be a bus, it can be a house, it can be a boat. Just a brick. It doesn't take a lot to make a child be able to have fun. They have unlimited creativity. But for some reason, as we get older, we stop seeing creative activities as worthwhile. Many adults do not allow their God-given creativity to come to the fore. Watch this now. This is important. When you are creative, scarcity of resources will not deter you from fulfilling your dreams. There are many people who are waiting to have all their needs to be had before they can embark on what God is telling them. You know, we, we think if you can just buy a car, you know, it will solve your problems. Yeah, you, you thought if you get married and get a husband and get a wife, your life will be better. Why little? Yeah, you thought if you can just buy a house, you know, I, I mean, I, we grew up in Soweto here in small yards, you know, very small yards, and we'd always pass by and see all the yards that white people had, big yards, and we grew up envious, only have a big yard, until you got one. And then you realize that this big yard needs maintenance. Some people that yes, there's just a huge bush. There's just a path that leads from the gate to the to an icon. Then you realize it needs maintenance. Oh, you know, you wanted a swimming pool. You wanted a swimming pool. You wanted a swimming pool. You saw them swimming. Somebody said you don't need your swimming pool. Next give a swimming pool. And then you realize hey, swimming pool. <laughs> you must you must clean it every day. You must kind of maintain it every day. It's electricity, it's all whatever you put in there. And, and you must also physically do is uh, if you want it to stay blue. Yes. How many of you are sitting next to somebody with a green swimming pool? <laughs> yeah. But you know, children, they will use whatever you give them. I remember as a child, you know, uh, we used to go to town on the Patco bus. And, you know, you, as a child, there's these things that you see, you want to have them. You know, we would come up, just before they had the M1, and we would come up, first of all, come up here over this bridge here, Ninesfield Bridge. And this bridge for me has lots of memories. Every time I pass that, I remember as a child, sitting in the Patco bus, you know, seeing this bridge. And as the bus goes over, because, you know, you are small, you can't see over. And it's going over a bridge, it felt like the bus is going to tip over the other side, you know. You know, you know that feeling as a child, and I'm looking... And I'm visualizing this. So we'd pass here, and we would drive down, and then we would then get to, uh, uh, and then pass these houses, Monamoke, Omonde, or whatever these, uh, Robertson, yeah. He said, Robertson. And you'd see all the white people sitting in the veranda, you remember? And we were not allowed. In fact, before that, we would pass here at the dam here, opposite Vista University. And you'd see all the whites fishing there. You know, you envy that, you know. Then we pass over Robertson, you see them on their flats, and then we'd go. And so... My parents bought me a tricycle. And my sister's here. You remember I was studying. I used to keep up. Keep up. So, you know, so, so, so then they have to get onto the back of the tricycle and I'm the bus driver now. So I would just look for a pavement somewhere that was just a little high and drive right on the edge to be the Patco bus, you know. <laughs> and then I was on just a bus tricycle. My day was made. I could spend the whole day being a Patco driver. Imagining, being creative, and so on. But what happens as we get older? We think we need a lot of things to be content. We lose our creativity. You, you thought if you had a television set, your life would be better. You thought if you had a big house, your life. You thought if you got a car, your life. You, you thought if you just get a girlfriend. Oh, a boyfriend, hey. But it didn't work. You thought, no, you know, if I can have the, if I can earn so much, if I can have this position at work, and you got all that, but you are still your same old morose self. Why? Because as we grow up, we lose our sense to appreciate the little we have and the ability to be creative with the little that we have. Yeah. Somehow people think they must have everything supplied for them to be able to move. Can't you when you are a child? You know, you just give a child one ball. 
ball, tennis ball. That tennis ball, they can make the whole game. One tennis ball. And that's the same thing, some of you with your projects, with the vision God has given you, you don't have certain resources. But you know, you, you have all resources around you, but you've switched off your creativity tab. So you don't realize you can be able to be creative. Tell your neighbor, you can be creative in the name of Jesus. Children have incredible capacity to be creative. We can learn that from them. In Exodus 35, God talks to Moses about Bezaliel and Aholiab in the contemporary English version. Exodus 35 verse 30. Moses said to the people of Israel, the Lord has chosen Bezaliel of the Judah tribe. Not only has the Lord filled him with his spirit, but he has given him wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. He says he has made him a skilled craftsman. Wow. Who can create objects of art with gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. There's creativity on the inside of you. I said there's creativity on the inside of you. Yeah. You don't have to have all the resources to get started on your projects. You don't have to have people favor you to get started on all your projects. God can show you how to maximize the little that you have, just like you did as a child. Imagine you see children playing the whole, the whole day, kamagusha. Can you magusha? magusha. Imagine the whole day. I watch them here. You know, opposite we have children. You know, they just come and play on that grass. I watch them all the time. Sometimes it's just a ball they have made out of plastics and, and what you call the ball. But the whole day they're happy, smiling. And you are worried. Driving is lata. I mean, really? How, how can you? I mean, really? How, how do you do that? Look at these kids. That's all they have. Look, he doesn't have any toys. Look how he's playing. Oh, there. No, you see. There. Look at that creativity. Look at that. Look at that. Some of you have forgotten how to be like this. And it's so good to be like, oh, thank you for illustrating the sermon. <laughs> Came in at the right time. Shaba, that's the modern day parable. <laughs> that's a technology enhanced parable. So learn to be creative. Get back that creativity that comes from God. You don't have to have all things to operate. You've got answers all around you. All you need is to go back to your childhood creativity. Can I hear an amen, brother? Number three, children are courageous. Courageous. Somebody says life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Children are courageous. They sing out loud. They dance when they feel like it. Children feel like life is limitless. You know why? Because they're not confined by fears of humiliation and failure. Children don't get embarrassed. No, I'm not No. Children march forward with hope, determination, because they don't know any better. In fact, it is us who teach them to be afraid. You watch the babies. They're, they're, not, they're not afraid of anything. Snake, dog, lion. They're not afraid. They walk towards it. Smiling. Gonna run, Nana. Ho, ho. We will, we will, we will everything. And then, you know, when they, we don't know, when they, know, when you are starting to say ho, ho, they look at you with that look. What are they talking about? Do you have something stuck in your throat? <laughs> and then they walk towards us. They are not afraid of the dark. It's us who switch the lights off and make funny noises and instill fear in them. Yeah. They're not afraid of heights. The children are not afraid. I'm telling you, children are not afraid. But that's just the way children are. A child's life feels limitless. Because they're not confined. They haven't been beaten down. They haven't experienced failure. They embrace life and all that it offers. They're not embarrassed at all. You know, I was using the illustration in the first service that, you know, children are not embarrassed by anything. These young ones, if their stomach runs and you're holding them, 
They don't care if you're in a lift. They don't care if you're wearing stiletto. Right? They don't care if you get a mascara. They don't care. If it's time to go, it's time to go. They're going to hit the scud missiles and the bombs. They don't care. They're going to relieve themselves and look at you and smile. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen that? They don't. Well, because it's, it's normal to go. It's normal to break wind. I see some of you are trying to act like, no, I don't do that. Ah. Look at your neighbor and say, ah. I've been with you too long to know how. You walk around with kids, you know, and if you've been gone with them for a long time, you know, sometimes you find that you are not able to buy them food and, you know, you've been gone the whole day and so you end up sitting maybe in, in a taxi or in some mode of transport or sitting somewhere and as you sit there trying to take a break, somebody comes sits next to you and that person is eating. You're, you know what's coming, right? And you see your child who's sitting next to you no, they don't try to be nice about the fact that they're hungry. No, they're not like you. They don't try to be decent and controlled. They look at this person, look in their mouth as they're eating. And you, the experienced, yeah? The, ex- the experienced somebody, you pull your child, hey, Nana. Unfortunately, yes, I get more turn about Nana or Labil. No, 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 all right, Nana. Have you ever seen that? You know, children are very honest. And then have you realized what they do when they get the food? They don't eat it like... Ah, <laughs> no, they just... <laughs> They've learned to be truthful. We've learned to be professional pretenders. Yeah. Even when things are working out, you know, sister in Christ. You know it's not all right. You right. But children don't pretend. One guy told a story. It's a true story. He, they went for some, I think it was interviews or some event at some venue and it just so happened they had to be there, you know, around six, seven o'clock in the evening. So most of them went straight from work to that event. You know, and you know many of you, when you come straight from work, you know, you've been gone the whole day. And if the event is around six, seven, by the time you get there, you're kind of hungry. You see, you won't even say yes. You know, you see, you see now. They're pretending like, no, I mean, I'm on diet. Ah, 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 you know, it's true. So he gets there, so he says, it, he says, it just so happened I was the only guy in the place. Right? So as we got to this place, at least the hosts were nice enough to set out tea and cakes and muffins and rolls and so on, and the coffee was smelling nice. He said, but as I got in, I realized everybody was kind of sitting there, kind of looking at the food, and they were embarrassed to be the first one to go. You know, trying to act cool. As, How's the weather? <laughs> yeah. So this guy thought, you know what? It's, it's all ladies around here. I'm hungry. Ne? I have no time to pretend. I'm just going to go and get the food. Then he says, then I stood up. As he was going towards, he says, then stood all these ladies. They even overtook him. <laughs> Isn't it strange how we pretend? We will not be truthful. We will not be honest. Why does God want us to be like children? So that we get the pretense out of our life. In God's kingdom, you can never be able to receive all that God has for you if you pretend. You can come to church and be a pretender. You can sit there hearing the message of God and never respond to what God is saying even when your life is falling apart. And never respond to that. But children don't care. If they're hungry, they're hungry. And they're not going to eat in a nice way. They're going to try and fill their stomach as quickly as possible. The kingdom of God is like children. And we can learn from them. Can I hear an amen? They have the courage to face failure. They embrace life. They are courageous. Listen what God says to Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, be strong and of a good courage. For unto these people you will divide for inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may prosper wherever you go. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Franklin Roosevelt says, and I quote, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. End of quote. So God says to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 1.6, Be strong and courageous, 
Do not be afraid. Tell your neighbor, do not be afraid. All tremble at them. Tell them all tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. Look at them again. Tell them he will not fail you or forsake you. Have the courage, Mzalwan. What is it that God has been telling you to do? Some of you, because you failed so many times, you're even afraid to try again. You feel embarrassed to try again. But children don't mind. When children fail, they just get up, they just do it again. They'll do it until they get it right. Have that attitude. Number four. Are we on number four? Number four. I love the fact that children laugh so often and every day. I like to hear the laughter of children. Actually, I like to be with them when they laugh. How many of you remember Charlie Chaplin? We just laugh when we think of Charlie Chaplin. This is what he said, a day without laughter is a day wasted. Some of you, when I look at you, I wonder when was the last time you laughed. (laughs) Can I give you an advice? Your face won't crack when you laugh. Children have this beautiful ability to find joy all around them. Watch the humor of a child when you see them in a parking lot, shopping mall. They find silliness everywhere. They look at something and laugh. <laughs> Mama, <laughs> Papa. What has happened? You, you've gotten old. You don't find life interesting anymore. All you are thinking about is Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you, you can't even laugh even when I say that because you know. It's, yeah. But children, somehow they, they you know, I, I watch them. They don't walk, they run. Life is exciting. When they see something, you see the spark in the eye. You see the light in the eye. Wow, discovery. When I was in the, in, in the office at the back, I, I saw one father, he didn't see me. I didn't, he didn't see me. They were outside and I was watching through the window. And the only reason I watched is because this little one came towards the window. It was outside. He didn't see. I think they saw themselves in the mirror and some other reflections. So they ran to this ticket. They, oh, they were saying something. Oh. Thank God, Father, whoever you are, I was watching your response. And thankfully, you were good. You stood by and let the child explore and encourage them. You know? And I was thinking, I hope this father doesn't become my, my sermon illustration. Because <laughs> the child was so... And the child, you know, you know why children love grandparents? Huh? Because grandparents have slowed down the RPM of their lives and they have finally discovered there was no need to hurry through life. You only discover when you're old. Yeah. So grandparents have the time to walk with them, walk through the park, let the child, the child sees something they want to explore. The grandparent waits. I can see some of you are even impatient with my illustration. <laughs> yeah, the grandparents have their wait. So the kids love grandparents because the grandparents, they don't hurry them. But what happens when you are not a grandparent? You have appointments, you are hectic. I want You don't even, you are just pulling them and this little ones are coming. <laughs> just pulling them. Yeah. What does that do to us? We hurry through life. We fail to see the joy of life and be in the moment. Even in a service where God's moving. Even in a place where God is dealing with our lives and the power of God is in our lives. We're so much in a hurry. Rushing through life. Never breathing it in. Never taking one extra moment just to be in the moment. Oh, but children are not like that. They play, they laugh. See, laughter is... The voice of joy. And it's the manifestation of a carefree attitude towards life. You know why children laugh? Children laugh because they're not carrying the worry about tomorrow. One of the things that comes up with growing up is having to take responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You know when you're a child, you, you, you don't care that there's only two slices left of bread. When you need money, you go to your parents. They say, we don't have money. 
When you go past the ATM, you hold your parents and say, just touch it, money will come out. <laughs> you know, there's just nothing. You know, children, they just don't, they don't care about the ozone layer. They don't care about the drought. No, they, they don't care. They, they just don't care. They just don't care. And it's a healthy thing. I'm not saying we shouldn't care in a sense of being good people, but we shouldn't be carrying around worries and anxiety. You know, in my family, my sister is here. I'm the uncle, you know. Five, four sisters, one brother. On my wife's family, five ladies. And we try to play a role. Community leader. And you know what, Salana, I'll be honest with you. I was actually talking to myself the other day. I realized all these responsibilities, they can take the joy out of you. Yeah, because there's pressure all the time. Pressure, time, pressure. You, you, got to, you can't be here for long. You must just one hour. Two minutes, any, anything that goes wrong. Even in the traffic, you, you say, why is this guy so slow? Then you realize you're in a 60 kilometer per hour zone. Mara, you're doing 150. That's why the guy is slow. Some of you didn't get that. <laughs> you need to be a child to understand what I just said there. Even when you're eating, I caught myself the other day. I was eating so fast. Yes, food is nice food. But I only have 15 minutes. I'm like, forgive. But you see, that pace of life is not sustainable. And because of all the responsibilities around us, you'll find yourself sitting in bed, not being able to sleep. You, Barcelona, I refuse to worry. No, my wife knows. My bishop, I tell her, I refuse. I thank God for the ability I've learned years ago to know how to switch off. I know how to distance myself from a problem and say, God, you are the one who's handling that. Men and safe. You handle the problem, the right. You said I must cast all my cares upon. But you see, some of you, you are so worried that you're not enjoying life anymore. No joy in your life. Even when we come to church and praise God, you can't even praise God because you are thinking about what happened at home this morning. You are thinking about the car that they bumped into yesterday. You can't even praise God honestly. You can't even be like a child that even if I don't have shoes, I still can run and I can still play. Even if my dress is torn, it's okay. I can still have joy. Yeah. But you see, as you grow up and as you take on more responsibility, you can walk around with the spirit of heaviness. You can walk around with the spirit of worry and anxiety. She must see the parents. I'm not saying you have heaviness on you in any way, but it's expensive to raise children. Yeah. Just for them to be born. <laughs> Several thousands of rents. Yeah. And then just to maintain them. You know, and when you think about, when you start calculating, particularly if you're an accountant or somebody who knows this, you, my goodness, you think, no, we are, no, then the husband says, or the wife says, more children, say, ah, no more children. Time out. <laughs> no more children. And then what happens? All these responsibilities can take the joy out of you. I was talking with my friend, Pastor Dick, and I was telling him, you know, because of the things we do, we, every week, Bazarana, there's a list of requests that are brought our way. All kinds. Help this church, help this one. Can you donate this for free? Do this, go there, speak here, talk here. Can I see you? Can I talk to you? I found you, you never answered. I sent an email. I tell you, Basalan, and I was saying to him, I said, you know what, my friend? I'm learning. That's why we get old so quickly these days. Didn't Pantlanetse? That's why people have the kinds of diseases we have today. We thought this pace of life will be good for us. And then you go over to some of the rural places there and you find people are chilling. They said the service is at 7 o'clock. You get there at 5 to 7, there's nobody at the venue. And you're busy pacing around Ugurubagu, Pilabant. Then they come in at 8 o'clock, but how funny you are already here. And you say, what do you mean? You say, ah, no, no, we were saying seven for nine. <laughs> we were once on holiday in some of the places. I think, I don't know, it was it, I think it was Northern Cape or something. Bishop and I. 
And all of a sudden, I laughed. After two days, I realized we were the only people who were driving fast on the roads. <laughs> and at the traffic lights, we were the only people who were jaywalking. You know what jaywalking? You cross when it's red. Yeah. You know Johannesburg people, when you're standing at the traffic lights, you're not watching this one, you're watching this one here. <laughs> all right, come on now, come on. Come on. Come on. But what, what, what does that pace do to us? We're never in the moment. We're always rushing. We're always hurrying. We're never just carefree. We are full of... And it's worse. Somebody told us emails will make our life easy. Somebody told us the cell phone will make our life easy. So they can find you anywhere. Even when you are in the loo, you are in the yellow Where are you? You don't want to know. But they say, what is that sound in the background? No, something fell from the ship. some people will send you an email at 12 midnight. When you meet them in the morning, they say, I already sent an email. You see, kneeling. Well, no, I sent it at midnight. So, are you telling me from midnight till now you expect me to have already read the email? I tell you, Masala, you can... Just be like a child and be carefree. The freshness of being carefree. Pace your life. Don't worry about your life. Tell your neighbor, don't worry about your life. Refuse Barcelona to carry a spirit of heaviness. Jesus said in Isaiah 61, one of the results of the anointing is that the anointing will re- remove the spirit of heaviness. In verse 3, he says to in, in, in Isaiah 61, verse 3, to appoint unto them that one in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I would, I would challenge some of you. When you come to church next time, surprise yourself. By being enthusiastic. During praise and worship. Surprise yourself and raise your hands for a change. Surprise yourself and get out of your seat. Come dance in the front for a change. Just look like a fool for a while and see what that will do for your life. Surprise yourself. You know why I love praise? You know why I love worship? You know why we want the music to be upbeat and we want to dance for a while? I just want to forget the challenges that I have. But I've also found out something else. It is not just about the noise or anything. I found out that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the joy of God that makes us strong. Is the joy of God that gives us the ability to cope from day to day. That even when your life is surrounded by a lot of things, you are still okay. Can I hear an amen in the heart? Some of you young people, you are getting old before your time, man. Many young people in their 20s are worried. Uri King, hey, has it as a So what are you going to do? Worry it like that. Why don't you give it to Jesus Christ? Why don't you tell God, God solve it for me? Can I hear an amen in the house? Refuse to carry a spirit of heaviness. You see, Barcelona, laughter is an expression of joy. Allow the joy of your life, the Lord to fill your life and express it through laughter. Some of you don't laugh enough. I'm telling you. There's no laughter in your home. I found out an atmosphere of laughter is an attractive atmosphere. If you meet somebody and you laugh with them, you become close to them. At school, the teachers that used to have lovely classes, and there was laughter and fun, I, re- I recall what they taught. And I was doing well. Not these ones who would come on, on, on Thursday and say, Fandach is donderdag on Schanchanjela. Donner. He says, Donnerdag, Fandach. No, I never remember anything they taught. Some teachers, when they came, were stressed for the blood level. <laughs> but we live with people who are not, we live in a society and a time in the world where people don't laugh enough. And I'm not talking about just surface laughter, I'm talking about heartfelt laughter where your stomach hurts and tears come out your eyes, and for a while you are just lost. God understood what laughter can do, yeah, it helps raise the serotonin levels. True story of a man who had a terminal disease, was given a month to live by doctors. So he felt, anyhow, I'm dying anyhow, so 
and they are saying the medication they're giving me is not helping, so it's okay. I just throw caution to the wind. He started, he hired all these uh, uh, comedy movies. Yeah. And kept watching and kept laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. Okay, I'll show after all. Why don't I rather once before me? But as the doctors came to check him, you know, they would come and check him. They noticed his condition improved. It's a true story. True story. 30 days later, the guy was totally cured, was discharged. Doctors couldn't ascribe his healing to anything except to the effect of laughter. God seemed to have understood something when he gave you the ability to laugh. Some of you are not, you are not, it's been a long time since you used that ability. <laughs> You're not even laughing even now, some of you. Some people, I've been watching that. Some people, it doesn't matter. Whatever, ever since the beginning of this, they're just looking at me now. <laughs> How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? You know, some people are not moved by anything. After the service with Lakoena. Did you hear what the pastor was saying? <laughs> the Spirit of God is not moving in this church. <laughs> Proverbs 126, verse 1 to 3. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue filled with singing. I love to hear it when people sing and they're happy. Don't worry, even if only one, sing. Yeah, even if you have a degree in biology, it doesn't matter, sing. The Lord hears your intentions. God understands what you're trying to say. Hmm? Fill that tongue with singing. Then they said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, wherefore we are glad. Job chapter 8, verse 20, 22, as I conclude, it says there's no way that God will reject a good person. And there's no way he may help a bad one. Then it says God will let you laugh again. You'll raise the roof with shouts of joy. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a shout. That's why I want you sometimes to give that shout of joy. Some of you are a shout of joy. Oh, it's again a little nerves. <laughs> God will let you laugh again. You'll raise the roof with shouts of joy. Your enemies, with your enemies thoroughly discredited, their house of cards collapsed. Proverbs 17, 22 in the King James Version says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bone. The Young Living Translation says, A rejoicing heart does good to the body. And a smitten spirit dries the bones. I want to close with this illustration. This is several years ago. We just moved into the house that we built, my wife and I. And... uh, for some reason, that week, things were not nice going to. <laughs> I know you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just... <laughs> we were having intense deliberations. Me and her. <laughs> Robust communication. <laughs> we were engaging with each other. <laughs> <laughs> And that morning we had had a robust engagement. So she had left for work and I'm fuming. I'm at home and I'm thinking to the Lord, this woman that you gave me. (laughs) And you know, it's one of those days where, you know when it's cold and cloudy? You kind of feel like that too. It's even worse when things are not working. And it just so happened it's the day when you know, these guys who take off the rubbish, coming to take the rubbish, so the bin is outside. It's cold and the conditions are really bad. And here comes this truck. And here comes this guy singing. How? I'm watching through the window. Guys singing. 
He picks up the rubbish. He's, he works there. He scratches, then they tip it over. There he goes. And God said to me, Wabonale. You know, the Lord spoke to me says, Can you see? See that guy? He doesn't have what you have. He doesn't have anywhere near the resources that you have. He's working a job where he's earning peanuts. But his quality of life is better than yours. Yeah. 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 God rebuked me. He said, silly you and sorry you. Look at you. Sitting here feeling sorry for yourself. Morose, depressed. And you are surrounded by everything I've blessed you with. That guy is working to take your rubbish. Even there's a day, Barcelona, where I realized things around you will never give you joy. No matter. Some of you, you think by buying more, getting more, you'll feel better. You'll never feel better. You know how you'll feel better? You'll feel better by embracing the joy of the Lord in your life. Can I hear a shout? I'm just talking to us now. Even if the people go Ghana Bangkutla and I want to come down here. See, see, as a black person, I grew up envying white people because of all the things they had. No scaram goes, you don't know about envy. Because you know, to be they looked happy. They have cars and boats and big houses, everything they go to holiday, they wear nice clothes. You know, you know. They look happy. Yes. Yes. And I live in a... Now, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to, to have other things. But you know, the minute we started having the opportunities, we got what they got. We drove the cars. We lived in the houses they lived in. We wore what they wore. Went to holiday. Yeah. And then I found out sometimes it's just for window dressing. But so I never have That's why it's just for show off. I'm telling you, I have friends who told me because they used to argue. They say, "When well, we never see you holding your wife's hand," I say, I, "I hold it sometimes, but she knows I love it." <laughs> then, then they said to me, "Oh, yeah." They say, well, but we must be honest. We, you and your wife, you love one another a lot. I said, why? They said, no, we can see the way you are. I said, we ask, we, when you see us holding hands and kissing, we're just trying to show everybody how much we love each other, but at home. Okay, I that. Let me come to the point I was trying to raise. Then I realized, you know, I used to think when I was young, if I can just have a car, I'll be happy. Because when you grew up without having these things, you think that they are a source of... Now, they are a convenience. Don't misunderstand me. They help in many ways. But give you joy, they won't. I tell you. Give you contentment, they won't. You see, Paul understood that. When he said, I have learned in whatever condition to be in, therewith to be content. Contentment comes from God. Doesn't come from this now. God gives you things to use them. He doesn't give you things to relate with him through things. Things cannot enhance your relationship with God. Having a beautiful church will not make you a better worshiper. Having a better sound system will not bring a better anointing. It's not going to do that. Have the system, have the house, have the church, have the car. But love God with all your heart, with or without. Love God with all your heart. Can I hear a shout? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I need to say this to our old people. Because there are some of you, your life revolves around amassing. You'll break every rule to get stuff. And it's, it's, it's a tragedy to work hard and get all of it. And when you find it, like Ecclesiastes says, it's vanity of vanities. 
You got it, but it's empty. You got it, but it's lonely. You got it, but it has no God. You got it, but you had to sacrifice your belief system. You got it, you had to compromise. You got it, you had to sell your integrity. You got it, you had to sell your birthright. You got it, but you had to move away from God. You got it, but you had to violate your values. No, I don't want to get it like that. Even if I don't have it, as long as I can love Jesus. And that's the lovely thing about serving God and worshiping God and giving God our lives and our hearts. It's not based on anything we have. That's why Jesus talked about the poor man and Lazarus. Trying to show us something. That it may be nice bling bling here on the earth. It's not about laying treasures on the earth. It's about laying treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not be able to steal. Can I hear an amen? Please don't misunderstand me. Have them. Buy the car. Have the house. I also have them. Have all the... Don't worry. Succeed, prosper, but keep God at the center as a belief. Keep God at the center of your life. With or without your shoes, worship God anyhow. With or without a car, worship God anyhow. With or without riches, worship God anyhow. Somebody shout to Jesus today. Yeah. You see, children, whether they have or they don't have, they're always joyful. I saw them in Maputo years ago. When I went just after war, we were preaching in Maputo. Please, things were bad there. Things were bad. Very bad. And it was a time of drought, no food. The place where we stayed, all they gave us in the morning was one slice of bread with black tea. No milk. I'm telling you. The bread, not sustenance. Lunchtime, they gave us rice with carpenter fish. That's all. No vegetable, no seed, no other sashimi, no gravy. Just plain rice and just fish. You know how dry fish is. Now you're eating with dry rice. After I ate, I realized things are bad here. And I could tell when you looked at the adults, they were all so morose and so depressed and so sad. But after I ate, I thought, you know what? Let me walk around and see what's going on here because I can see things are bad. As I walked around, you see cars that were bombed on the roadside. Some burned out. Some has been stuck. City lapidated places. I mean, people living in squalor. But then I saw the children running around and playing. I saw a little girl running around, laughing, playing, singing, jumping, running. Oh, Jesus. I looked at the child. God used that to talk to me. Like he used that guy with the rubbish bin. I saw this little boy driving an imaginary car. I mean, his pants were so torn. No shoes on him, no top, only the pants. So torn that, you know, they had patches all over. You didn't even know what was the original cloth. But boy didn't worry. Boy was filled with joy. Carefree. Oh, when Jesus said, come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are heavily laden. Come unto me. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus says, come unto me. I will give rest to your souls. God is calling us to a place of rest. God is calling us to a place where in spite of what you are going through in your life, he will give you rest. You can go to bed even if everything around you is falling apart. That is the peace that passes all understanding. That's what God can give. But you can come here with a life filled with turmoil. With a heart that's unsettled and moving everywhere. And sit there like everything is okay. And never respond to God even when you are given a chance to come. Because you are trying to be cool. Trying to show everybody I'm okay. But you know in your heart of hearts things are not okay. Today I want to offer you the opportunity. Right here, right now. To say Jesus here I come. I cannot solve my life. I cannot turn things around in my life. I need you and I need you now. I need you to change me. Transform me. And make me your own child. By your hands please and close your eyes. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Kise Kiwile Jesus, 
האום פיץ, האום פום נקי לתאי, Oh